Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. You know, as you start to enter that time in your life where your children are growing up and you start to ask yourself, like, what's next? I remember as a mom, when my kids were in high school, that kind of anticipated transition and how hard it was to kind of know that pretty soon I'm going to have to let go. But let's back up a little bit, too, because I even remember how hard it was getting them on the school bus for the first time as a kindergartner. So I am excited today that I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Kathy Batista, and she is a mindful coach. She does mindset, mindfulness, and mood coaching for women, and she specializes in guiding women through that kind of different emotions that we have as we start to see our kids get a little bit older and as we start to change too. And so she's not only certified in as a life designer coach, but she does quantum time technique, which I'm going to have to ask her what that is, uh, mindfulness um, facilitation, thought coaching. And her mission is really to redefine these transformations that we go through. So thank you so much, Kathy, for joining me today. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Sarah. I'm so excited to talk today. So tell us more about you and kind of how you got you know, found this like purpose, this new kind of what's next for you. Yeah, definitely. So I am a mom of four and I live in Rhode Island. My kids currently are 17 to 27, all four of them in between there. And so when my youngest was about seven was when um, it's almost like that perfect storm I was about 37, 38, and he um, was going into second grade and I was entering perimenopause. And if you kind of followed some different schools of thought, we have a whole lot of transitions throughout our lives, but one happens usually around 34, 35, 36, 37, another transition. It's like this perfect storm of perimetopause and entering midlife. Um, the working definition for midlife that I go by is 35 to 70, mm -hmm. which shocks a lot of people. But when I ask my, you know, late 30s, like, do you feel like a young adult or do you feel like maybe you're moving into a different phase, right? You're no longer that inexperienced young adult, right? So that was shocking for me to have these, you know, physical and emotional and even spiritual changes happen. And it wasn't until I kind of got clear and sought my own help through different modalities that I was like, you know what, I think I could help people <laughs> going through this. And so I've been coaching now for about four years, and I absolutely love it. That's wonderful. It's true. I think that a lot, I remember when I was starting to kind of go through that too, I know for myself, I thought, so I'm crazy. Something's wrong with me. You know, <laughs> I, you know, and, and 
And I don't think, you know, and I think we're learning more and more about this, but Mm -hmm. when you're in the midst of, you still have kids at home and you're thinking this, this shouldn't be happening. Like this is supposed to happen to people way older, but there's so much emotional changes that go on. And, um, I know for me, one of the hardest times was about that same time when the kids were kind of in that tween teen age. Mm-hmm. And I really started to anticipate, you know, they're becoming more independent. How do you help women kind of get through, walk through that door and know, you know, hey, you got to kind of let let your kid, you know, Uh, take off, you know, don't hold their hands so tight, but keep them close at the same time, making sure that they're learning to be independent, but that you still have purpose in your life. Yeah. You know, what's funny is as you were saying that, and I, and I cannot think of who sings it, but you know, that song, like, hold on loosely, but don't let go. Yes. (laughs) I can't remember who sings it, but um, yeah, it's sort of like that. It's like, you know, don't let go completely because they do still need us for many, many things. I mean, I'll tell you what, my youngest who's, you know, graduating high school asked me to cut an apple last night. Mm-hmm. They still need us for so many things and want us. But it, for me, what got me through each of my boys, I have four boys. Um, I just kept saying to myself, I'd rather them learn and navigate and make mistakes when they're home instead of, you know, um, concealing and fostering and, and really that handholding and, and kind of, there comes a time when we really have to stop going to bat for our kids, right? Like give them the, the, the courage that they can do it. And then if they do fail at something or they do get in trouble, it's that safety net where, you know, now my older ones are 28 and 23. And yes, we talk about it. They can always come home, Mm -hmm. but it's not like I'm right there or, you know, and so it's, it's, it's that stepping back and there comes this point when we almost have to say, I believe in them because I did a good job parenting until this point. And I know that they can do it. And yeah, I mean, even at 50, I still make mistakes. (laughs) So it'll never end. You'll still make them, but the confidence it's building that resiliency, right? That's the key. I really think so because It's hard though. You know, you want to, you don't want to see your kid, I don't want to say fail, but you don't want them to be sad. You want to do what you can. You kind of hold that safety net a little bit too close sometimes, but you know, give it's, I kind of attribute it as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, it's kind of like when you have your driver's permit, but you're not allowed to go out on your own, but you're sitting right there next to them. Yeah. But they've got control of the wheel, you know, and the and the pedal. And so yes. that's a big deal. But it, it's test driving. You're just you're this is that time period where you're letting them and seeing how they do. Do they have the responsibility, the, you know, the knower all just to be able to to take those steps? And that's hard. It's hard to let go sometimes, even in those stages. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's very hard because 
even I'm sure your listeners can remember and I can remember and I'm positive, you know, I mean, I feel like we all can remember those teen years where we really thought we knew a lot more than we did. (laughs) So yes, they're probably going to make big mistakes, right? So you're talking about driving and, um, my youngest lost his wallet recently and he, and yeah. And so, he's driving without a license. And I said, Nicholas, they can like take and put you in the back of the car and bring you and say, you can't drive. And he said, but I'm done with my provisional license. And I'm like, they could do it to me right now. Yes. (laughs) So you're still learning these things and you're still saying, okay, there's consequences for your actions. But then that allows them when they get, when we step back and allow them to navigate these years. And I want to touch on something else that you said, but when we step back, then they can take the reins later because they're like, okay, I've been down this road before and I know what happens when, you know, I um, don't pay attention to this or I know what happens when I ask the wrong people for help, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I think when we have kids that are in high school and even the tween years, I'm amazed lately at like in middle school, the push for college, but it's there. And even in middle school, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, It's a whole nother topic we could talk about, Dr. Sarah. Yes. I think that to step back when your teens are navigating that post high school time, really step back. That's when they can step into their own. It's it's not, we, I think as parents, sometimes when we're over-involved in that transitional period, that's when I think later in life, they say, I wish I would have done this. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have listened to that inner voice and and not gone to college and gone to cosmetology school. Or I wish I would have, you know, took that gap year. Like, so I think it's when we have to say, let's let them turn into people, the adults that they want to be, that it actually is beneficial for everybody. They become happier. It's interesting that you say that because I've had conversations with many parents and we talk about how do you define success? Mm. Is success going to college, you know, are you only successful if you go to college and get a degree? And so I always, I kind of help them because I think too, as parents, they think, well, this is, you know, either for them, this is what they did Mm -hmm. or it's what they want for their kids because maybe they didn't. It could go either way. Oh yeah. And it's managing expectations, I think is, is so good. And and now I think back to like, as I'm getting older, I'm like, how did I know when I was 18, what I wanted to do? And I remind kids all the time, I didn't even decide to be, go to medical school until like two, three years into college. And then I didn't know I wanted to be a pediatrician until my last year of med school. So there's always, you know, living life and having these experiences. So it always comes down to how do you define success? Yeah, I love that question because even what I think, speaking of parenting, is that we, you know, can share our definition with our children and even our partners or whatnot. But it's, we get into trouble when we push and apply it to their life. Like how mm-hmm. I define success is how you should really live. Right. Like how, right. how better would the world be? Right. If everybody lived like Kathy Batista. 
I don't know about that, but it's really stepping back and allowing our kids to develop their own definition of success based on what they find successful, right? And mm-hmm. it's and then that helps them navigate that road of purpose, right? And another thing I tell my kids, and it's like we transition from high school into quote unquote the real world or young adult world. And that it's almost like pull back a little bit because you're going to have a ton of other transitions you're going to have to make. This doesn't, isn't the end all to the be all, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's learning how to transition, which is going to set you up for the future transitions that we inevitably go through as humans. And we have so many purposes, right? It's like, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Well, I don't know. There's a lot, right? Mm -hmm. I remember my husband's father quoted to him once and he said, you could be, if you could be whatever you want to be, if you want to, and he was a janitor. Okay. He had lived his life as a janitor and he said, you could even be a janitor, but what I want you is to try to be the best janitor that you can possibly be. And I I never forgot that. He never said it to me, but I remember him, my husband sharing that with me. And that really stuck with me because it's like, okay, be, do what you want, but, but do your best in it and make yourself happy. The flip side of that, my dad was a CPA. And I remember when he was very sick, he, he's admitted to me that, he never liked his job, did it for 30 mm. years. And that stuck with me too, you know? So, I, so that's what I try to at least tell my kids. And maybe I don't tell them all the dad stories, but, you know, even <laughs> I, my own kids, I do. But my kids, when I say my kids, my patients, but yeah. I do try to tell them, you know, it's like, sometimes it's, again, what defines success? It may not be, you know, oh, that I've got a six figure income or, or, you know, it's all about, you know, do you real like that expression, you know, Kathy, where they say, if you love what you do, don't work a day of your life. Yeah. And, um, and so, but, but that's hard. That's a hard thing because I will tell you that, you know, based on the values you grew up in, you know, some people might not be able to accept that. And and I understand that too. So it's very tough. So how do we help these parents kind of get to that point where they feel like, okay, I've got to keep them close, but not too tight, not hold on too tight. Definitely. I, I think truly it's probably very individual, right? Because you've got people holding on tighter than others and you've got (laughs) other people that you're like, please hold on tighter. (laughs) And kids that need to be held tighter, right? Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, But I love what you said. And I think that it, it answers this question as well as, is that doing the best that you can. And I'm not sure if you've ever read The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And it's no. it's, a, it's an amazing short little chock full book. One of the agreements is always do your best, but realize that your best will change every day, even yes. sometimes every minute within the day. But if you can get clear with that inner self and say, you know, it might not look pretty, but I am doing the best I can right now. That goes for parenting. That goes for deciding your future. Just do your best, right? And I and I, I really feel like how we can help our kids is actually starting with helping ourselves. Yes. Being clear on, like you said, what's my definition of success? Am I 
being successful by my own definition, right? And this is where what you spoke about earlier is sometimes this feeling comes over parents, this like, quote unquote, empty empty nester feeling, right? Like, Mm. because what are you supposed to do now? But when you have your kids and you're putting all your eggs, so to speak, in that basket, that's going to hit a lot harder where if we then can be role models for these young adults and say, yeah, I'm experimenting with what I want to do with my life. I'm taking a new hobby or I'm taking a class or, you know, I'm expanding my social circle because a lot of kids struggle with that social circle, mm-hmm. leaving high school, going into college. Let's be role models and show them how to meet people in situations that might not feel comfortable, right? Or let's show them how we can create our lives And that starts with us and and looking out for us. You know, I mean, it's so overused, right? But that whole airplane analogy of putting the mask on yourself before you help other people. And it really is that filling our bucket so that we can pour it out to other people. And so starting, yeah. Yeah, right on. Because here's the thing is that was honestly the whole reason why I started the podcast was because... I was seeing these kids and these parents and I thought, oh my gosh, it starts with us. But I also know when I was a young mom, you know, when I was in my 30s and you said asking ourselves, how do we define success? When I think back of when I was, you know, young I remember I felt like I was now good at anything. You know, I was like, I didn't feel like I could give 100% as a working mom. Mm. You know, so I, I would imagine there's working moms out there who feel like, gosh, I, if I would, I can't put 100% into this. I can't be 100% parent. Like, that's how I felt. And then I've had friends who work from home or they're, they're, they're taking care of their children, which is a huge job, right? 24 oh, seven. Yeah. And I think what, how do they define success? Do they, you know, so that's a really tough question, I think, for yeah. a young adult or an adult as they're growing, as their kids grow. So mm. what what do you tell that mom? That mom who is uh, trying just, to define success for herself. Yeah. And just feels yeah. like I'm not, you know, I'm I'm definitely not do, doing it when they really are. Yeah. Doing a oh, great right. Job. That's yes. what I mean. Yeah. And definitely back to that fourth, that agreement, doing the best you can, knowing your best can change. But I think what I often see with with the the women that I work with that do have kids in those different kind of growing up ages is I challenge them to not define their success based off of their kids. We so Ah. often attach that, right? Like, oh, my son got an A. My son got into this college. My well, that really might not have had a lot to do with you, right? (laughs) So to say, to pull back and say, no, what is my? How is am I being successful? And yes, don't get me wrong, Doctor Sarah. Like when you are parenting and you feel like you're on your A game, it feels very successful. And we are successful when we see our children happy. It feels that way. But let's look at either getting caught up in in our corporate job or caught up in our business, caught up in our hobby, caught up in parenting, where we are not 
um, creating a balance or a flow or more like I like to say the word harmony because it's like a symphony like there's not always like there's not balance right it's it's learning how to have that flow that harmony of our lives and stepping back and saying checking in right does this feel good to me like what is my inner compass saying about this Yes. I, I I really think you got to soak that in, everybody that's listening, that it's so true because success can change day by day. You know, I remember there were, if, if the kids got on the bus and they had their lunches and they were dressed and shoes were on, I mean, that's success, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. yes, it's success that they did get a good grade, but maybe our, the success that we had in that is that we helped them, you know, manage their time or mm-hmm. maybe what it was is that we we encourage them to say you're ready for this test you know yeah. you got this so there's there's so many ways that instead of putting their successes our definition really stepping back and thinking yeah i i helped you know i i oh yeah I guided those steps and we forget about that i think yeah. a lot that mm. There's daily wins, you know, and some of them are small and some of them are huge. Yeah, definitely. And there's one thing that when I'm thinking back to when my kids were younger, that um, when thinking about what success was for me at that time and how I was really distorted by it, what happened and that I really work hard to caution women on this is that my definition of success was that my house looked nice. My kids looked nice. Everything looked nice. And then when my estrogens levels started dropping and I started moving into middle, you know, middle life, midlife, middle adulthood. Right. And I'm in full blown perimetopause. I was miserable, miserable. My feelings, my body, everything felt miserable, but my definition of success had me looking outside. And so what that did is it created guilt and shame that I felt miserable when everything looked so good. Everything looked so good to somebody else and I felt horrible. So I think this definition of success needs to be mind, body, and soul, right? How am I living? Like, it's not just what's out here in front of me, but am I being successful with moving through my days and and feeling confident, moving through my days and being happy about certain things and and finding joy, right? Because I kept quiet for years, feeling miserable because my outside definition of success looked so good. And I felt silly and embarrassed to bring it up. And I think that that's a really good point to drive home is that we need to have those inner markings of success. You know, absolutely. I love that you brought that up because I think anybody, you know, we always think about, you know, there's so much going on in this world and, you know, this and that and that, you know, we try, oh, don't sweat the small stuff and things like that. But then, and that's sometimes guilt because you feel guilty for feeling the way that you do. And, and, Mm -hmm. and, but, you know, and I noticed, you know, in, in my intro that you do thought coaching and I try to go through like kind of the cognitive behavior model with some of my patients. And so for those that have never heard about it, it's in 
briefly, it's where our thoughts lead to our feelings, our feelings create actions, and our actions tend to affect our body, whether it's physically or emotionally, right? And then that kind of keeps going back. But it's all about like how you think, you know, so it's okay to have your feelings, but what were the thoughts that kind of led to those feelings? And how can we rewire or just tweak those little thoughts so that because, you know, it still might be true, but are the thoughts helpful? And then the other thing is, are the thoughts these kind of lies we tell ourselves? So um, I I have the opportunity to have a, a wonderful daughter-in-law who is also who is a life coach. And oh. I remember her telling me, you know, and she tells her clients that, you know, ask yourself when you have these thoughts, is it true, number one, and is it helpful? And And I think that you know, you could feel it it could be like, yeah, I really don't like these feelings, but is holding it in helpful is, you know, and maybe it is, maybe I just need to cry a little. So if, if you can, if it says, yes, this is helpful for me right now, you just have to go through that thought process. Definitely. Yeah. Embrace that. And it's really, this is where this um, marriage of thought coaching and mindfulness comes in is because we want to look at those thoughts through the lens of non-attachment and non-judgment, right? Okay. We just get deeper into like, this, this isn't a great thought. Why am I thinking this thought? But you're right. The feelings that preceded it, right? Our body speaks first before our mind does. It always does. I mean, you know, you get that pit in your stomach and then your mind goes, I've been here before. Get out, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, so it's getting in touch with our inner compass and our guidance to say, my body is, is feeling this way. It's causing me to have these feelings, right? Why? And this is where we kind of can, can almost reverse engineer things, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it, um, something is coming up, reminding you of something from the past and then let's get clear on, on where that stands today or is something, is it an intuition, a warning sign, a, a, a warning sign, whether it's good or bad, like take this job or, you know, this is a good thing for you or this might not be great. It's those feelings that, like you said, lead to these thoughts and we can stop and evaluate these thoughts and ask them, yeah, where is this? helpful where is it not like what you were saying right is this is this true or or not and sometimes it is right mm -hmm. it is and then it's like you know in fact I was having this discussion with my sister-in-law yesterday of, about how you know happiness is a choice you know maybe there's things that happen in our lives but how we choose to react respond is really what makes the difference. And it, we were just having this really deep conversation. And yeah, it's, and it's hard though. That's hard it to is. do, you know, yeah. because sometimes our emotions get the better of us, but I'm, I'm a firm believer that there's such a connection to mind and body and listening oh, yeah. to your body. Sometimes it's your body telling you before your mind really is catching up. Totally. A really neat kind of exercise to see the power of this is we can, you know, ask ourselves, think of, of a happy time. Mm -hmm. Like if, like, think of, do you, if I say this to you, are you able to pull a time in your life where you kind of remember that feeling of being happy? Like for me, it was my, my second marriage, my second wedding day. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about it and I just 
Do you have a time in your mind right now that you're thinking of that's bringing you happiness? Actually, it's so funny because it just pops, you know, the first thing that came to mind was a vacation. Yeah. Because, you know, that's I'm at that stage now where it's really tough to take a a family vacation where we're all together. So as soon as you said that, it took me to um, a time where we rented an Airbnb and we were all together uh, for like a whole week. And it was just amazing. So just having like my kids all under one roof again was a really happy time. Yeah. And even for the listeners, whatever your time is, right? ask yourself right now, where are you feeling that in your body? Like, is it in your chest? Is it in your belly? Maybe it's on your shoulders, like a warm hug, that Mm -hmm. feeling. And then I'm going to stop and say, look, like we created that feeling of happiness right now. Mm -hmm. That's how malleable we can be is to say, we don't want to whenever we're feeling sad, say, oh, I can pull up a happy memory and forget about this. But we can say, this is how powerful our thoughts are. We sat here and just created, we recreated this feeling of immense happiness Mm -hmm. out of nothing. We're not there right now. It was all memory, right? So we can, for good, bad, middle, whatever, we have this power of our brain and our heart and our mind to connect and create our emotion. And we can say, all right, you know, like you were saying, I'm unhappy right now and I'm going to be unhappy because I need to get through that feeling. Or when you're done with it, you can say, okay, let me just sit and I'm going to meditate on something that brings me joy and, Mm -hmm. and, and get back to that feeling and, and see what happens. Right. Yeah, that felt great. I definitely felt it like in my chest, you know. Yeah. Tell me about um, what's the quantum time technique? Is that is that sort of what we did just now or is that something totally different? Um, we did a little mini of it, right? So, some, so <laughs> I, I weave in um, NLP, which is the um, kind of working with our thoughts, the language of our thoughts. But quantum time technique is actually a way that we can... Um, reprogram our subconscious mind. And I actually like to call it conscious healing because we can go back in our timeline, but it's in the conscious moment that we actually create the healing. But a lot of it is working with beliefs that may be holding somebody back, like Mm. um, whatever it is. And I mean, I feel like I have not, sadly, I have not met a woman that hasn't said at some point, a limiting belief is that they don't feel like they're enough in some capacity, right? And so with the quantum time technique, we work with your subconscious mind to go back to an event where those feelings of unworthiness might've been created. And then we can reprogram that time, just sort of like we did right now, reprogramming and creating something. And then we create a new belief that you want to have about that, whether it's, you know, I'm successful in this or so many different. I mean, think of all the beliefs we hold about ourselves and the ones we want to get rid of. Right. And then it's through our actions and habits that we actually create this new belief because that's our beliefs are these neural pathways mm-hmm. and they they fire off and so something happens on the outside or even in the inside and our brain just makes this connection it's like that well 
grooved path, right? So now we need to create a new one. And that's what we do is create a new path to the belief so that eventually it becomes second nature for your brain to think that and then for your body to feel it, right? So that, and I, I truly believe that, yeah, limiting, I, you're right. I can't imagine, I, I can't think of, sorry, of, of a person who at some point in their life didn't have a limiting belief. And I shared mine with yours, with you just now, like where I felt like I wasn't a very good parent because I wasn't there all the time. I wasn't being a hundred percent the best pediatrician in my mind because I was a mom, you know, yeah. so I, I had, and so it was like, it is. It's kind of crazy. And that was for me, one of, one of the limiting beliefs. What, right. do you, what do you find in your experiences the most common? You know, I, I know you said not being enough. Yeah. Where, do, where do you think like in working with, with women, where does it, is there a common area where it kind of starts or is it just different for everyone? Well, so zero to seven is the ages that all these kind of beliefs and buttons are installed, right? Yes. So we come kind of with this, I, I believe, so this is this marriage of like my own personal spiritual beliefs, plus, you know, some scientific beliefs and some NLP and quantum time technique all mixed up. But I believe we come here knowing we're enough and we are enough and knowing we're amazing and just having this infinite possibility for abundance and prosperity. And then life just happens, right? And it's no one's fault. I mean, as moms, like, I certainly don't want to blame my mom. (laughs) Like, I don't want to blame people. And on that same note, I do know that some people had some very difficult and challenging parenting situations. But life just happens, to put it simply. And then it is our conscious mind observes these situations that are happening and draws conclusions and our subconscious mind almost sees it all. So our conscious mind is um, like the, uh, the teacher mm-hmm. and well, that's not a good example. Our conscious mind is like the general and okay. our subconscious mind is like the soldier. The soldier might go, that doesn't look like a smart thing, but I got to do whatever it is to do. Right. Yeah, and so general. our conscious mind is in control and says, remember now to our subconscious mind, whenever something looks like this, think of it like this, this that you're worthless. Think of it like that uh. is need to protect ourselves right right so that's why we get to the the subconscious mind because more often than not the times the events the situations where our conscious mind created these beliefs there was a different situation going on and our subconscious mind has that information Mm -hmm. so we can actually learn a lot and then create the new beliefs that then will take over those old beliefs that our conscious mind was just holding on to for dear life, keeping us like limited as they call them limiting beliefs. And do you feel like there is like, when do you feel is the best time for somebody to start doing this kind of work? Young midlife, like, I'm thinking anytime in your life, but I'm just thinking like 
you could never be too young to kind of go through this mindfulness and this um, thought, you know, therapy or coaching and things yeah. like that. But is there like a sweet spot, do you think? Well, Dr. Sarah, I completely agree with you because, you know, so most of my inner work and transformation came around in my 40s, mm -hmm. right? And so I was able then to share these techniques and talk to my children. And now they are having a different, you know, teenage and young adult experience than I did. And that's great to have those tools, right? So I really think it's whenever you are open, willing, and ready, right? And I mean, it's funny. Sometimes my kids are like, I don't want to talk talk to Coach Kathy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning you, they're talking yes, about you. <laughs> yeah, because I'll start like coaching and saying, well, what about this? They're like, no, we want mom, not you. Yeah. Yeah, I, so, I understand that. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a new grandma right now. And, oh. uh, and my son actually said to me, he goes, mom, I just, I, I don't, I just want you to be grandma right now. You, yeah. you know, <laughs> almost giving me pe permission. Like you don't have to be a pediatrician. I'm like, that's really hard to do. I've been doing this for almost 30 years. Right? You know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Funny. I get that. Yeah. I heard that. I heard that too. Yeah. But I think truly it's at any age. And, and that's why I feel like sometimes like my youngest client is 34 and my oldest is 72. There's any, whenever it happens, it happens. And that's great. I, I totally agree because I think that I want to tell parents that are really in the midst of it, mm. that it's, it's never too early, you know, to, to try. And I love how you say that zero to seven, because that I'm sitting here thinking about the science and uh, I do a lot of teaching I do a lot of teach the teacher kind of work, like specifically with other pediatric healthcare providers and, and so on and around nutrition mm -hmm. and activity, because again, like you said, those neurons haven't completely connected. And so I talk about that first 1000 days, but oh. it really does go beyond that and how much those synapses are all starting to come together and they're molding and rewiring and things like that. So mm -hmm. if you're an older than seven year old, it's not too late. I'm not, we're not suggesting oh. it's too late. Not at all. No, not, not at all. Because the, you know, we're all learning and developing, but I think that it's, I think you're right. You kind of know, like I'm out of balance. I'm out of harmony. Yeah. And if you want balance and harmony in your family, it, it, you really need to find it within yourself. And that's not always easy, you know, because we're mm -hmm. all taking care of everyone else. Then what happens to that person who now the kids are gone and they have trying to find out what's next, or I called it my second mountain, you know, cause there's Ooh. a book. And for me, it was like, okay, what, how do I want to see where I'm going to grow from here? You yeah. know, now that my kids were, um, you know, out flew the nest, so to speak. But yeah. uh, do you find that transition to be difficult for some women or are they kind of like, woohoo, I'm good. <laughs> You know, a little right? bit of both, right? I, yes, I see both. And I see even a combination of both, right? It's sort of like that best everyday situation where some days it's like, woohoo. And then other days you're crying for hours because you miss your babies, right? Yes. Um, what I tend, where I like to focus on when I work with people who are at this point is we really dive into 
your a person's values and their strengths. You know, um, I think that we have a numerous amount of of values, and I think that different points in our lives, different values come to the forefront, right? Mm-hmm. So we figure out through some some questioning and journaling and some quizzes that I have, we find out what right now, where you're at right now, what your top three values are. And then we look at your strengths and right now, what are your top five strengths? Then we take a look at your life and are you expressing those values and having opportunity to use those strengths right now? And if so, great, where, right? But more often than not, it's no, I'm not. And then we look at your life. Well, where can we bring that in? You know, we don't need to like pick up and move to Florida or pick up and (laughs) travel across the country. We can say, how can I bring a little bit of this value that's missing? Where can I bring it into my life? And then we work on doing that. And that is so helpful because whenever you are, no matter if it's when your kids are, are are often running here or if they're younger or or you don't have kids right or maybe you're a grandparent and you you know adopted or whatever the situation is whenever you're out of that harmony or out of balance I can guarantee you there's a value that isn't being expressed and you've got to find what that is and bring it in even little bits little bits at a time but generally it's we're out of this sink, out of feeling good, feeling um, accomplished, feeling successful, like you said, because we're not having an opportunity to express that value or use some of the strengths that we're really innately good at. I couldn't have said it better. And I really love how you said that because you're right that I could see how that could be true. Maybe there's a value. So writing down three values, like what you do is work with them. And then also five, what was the five strengths? strengths. Yeah. Strengths. I, yeah. I love that. Well, I, I I always say this to almost every guest. I say, I, I feel like we could talk forever. And, and uh, how, if people want to learn more about yeah. what you do or, you know, follow you, how, how can they, how can they find you, Kathy? Yeah. So um, my website's always great. It's just kathybatista.com. But I did just, I had a value that was missing, Dr. Sarah. And it was, I really wanted to communicate and connect with people. So I just started a YouTube channel, which is so fun. Great. So you can find me on YouTube, Kathy Batista. And I'm on Instagram, both YouTube and Instagram, I think are Coach Kathy Batista. Okay. And on my website, I have an amazing quiz that once you take it, it tells you if you're looking like you might need to start with some mood work, some mindfulness or some mindset, and then you get a ton of freebies once you get your results. Oh, that's so good to know. I, I think I'm going to get on <laughs> the yeah, today or tomorrow and do it myself because yeah. you're never too old to just kind of, you know, see, are you really living the values and, and using your strengths? Yeah. Love that. Well, thank you so much for being on Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you again, Kathy. Oh, it's been an amazing pleasure. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. And let's grow up together. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. If you enjoyed this episode and think the information shared here today could benefit someone else, take a screenshot of the episode and post to your Instagram story. Make sure you tag us at Growing Up with Dr. Sarah so we can spread the word about the show and continue to grow in our mission to support as many parents and families as possible. Hey, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or would like to suggest a topic, please visit www.growingupwithdrsarah.com slash contact. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Stay tuned for a brand new episode next week as we continue to grow up together.